Well, hello, and welcome back to another skilly skilly edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some creepy, creepy skilly stuff for you this year, or this year, today. <laughs> well, I hope everybody's been great, having a spooky time. Yeah, man. It's uh, all going good here. Weather is just a roller coaster. Some days it's cold. Some days it's in the 70s. They don't want to make its fucking mind up. But I hope everybody's out, everybody out there is having a great day. And uh, just, a, just a great great day, great week, just great life. Hope everybody's having a good one. But I am Stephen LeBooth with ghost stories told from the south. <laughs> Well, I do want to give a shout out like I normally do to uh, all the people that downloaded and are members. So thank you, thank you. You know, so keep getting my, keep doing your homework and getting my numbers up for me like you're doing and keep getting them up on Spotify like you're doing. I appreciate it very, very, very much. But thank you really though, guys, because, you know, I don't make any money off of this. I do it all by myself, everything. Research, editing, even the podcast, I lay out the format and everything, I get the shows going, so just means a lot, you know, that you guys listen, and you're faithful listeners, that's what's fucking awesome too, so, well, since it's Christmas time, of course, I'm going to go over scary Christmas stuff, I might have done, I know I did it last year, but I don't remember what I covered, I should have went back and looked, but I didn't. But if I did, I'm sorry. And if anybody has a story, go to Facebook and look uh, look up Ghost Stories Told from the South, and slide in the DMs and tell me your cre- your creepy Christmas story or some legend from where you live, you know, or whatever. But yeah, gonna be a good show today, though. I got like five, six stories to tell you, so. And uh, if I fuck up on the reading, some I'm sorry and. If uh, a lot of y'all can't hardly listen because of my reading, I'm sorry. But hey, it is what it is. I try my bestest. So if it's so gut-wrenching and awful for you, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best here. But anyways, guys, uh, like I said, thank you for to everybody. And uh, let's get on with the story. So like always, sit back, relax by a nice cozy fire. Get you a nice warm blinky. Get you some hot coffee or some cocoa. And hit play and relax. And get ready to be a little scared. <laughs> okay. Our first story is a German folklore. And it is the Bell's Nickel. Bell's Nickel. So I hope I'm saying that right. Okay. The story of Bell's Nickel is a popular Christmas character developed around the Middle Ages in, in the European countries. Germany was known to have both happy and grim gift bringers. And the Belsnickel was the very grim one. He was not only feared, but also got chil- children to behave nicely through the years so they so they could not receive gifts during Christmas. 
The Bill's Nickel is the first character in the history of Christmas character who clearly disconnected between good children or a discon yeah, disconnected between good children and bad children. Unlike Santa, he uh unlike Santa who presents gifts to those those whose names are on the famous Santa's nice list. The Bell's nickel would mainly leave switches for the children who were bad through the year and would also leave small toys, socks, mittens, candies, or fruits for the well-behaved children. He, uh, he came across, or the nice children that he came across. On the eve of Christmas, just bef- on the eve of Christmas, just before everybody would go to bed, the Bell's nickel would, would announce his arrival by knocking on the, uh, window panes of the doors the children actually get to see bell's nickel unlike santa claus who travels down the chimney while the children are asleep with a black bag in one hand and a mask covering his face the bell's nickel was considered more of a robin hood type of character during christmas and had an error an error superhero daddy guy kind of uh, quality to him. It is said that children would rather would rather love him or absolutely absolutely fear him. There are there of course there are of course scarier versions of the Bells and Nichols legend as it that he used to drag naughty children into the forest and make them pay for their misbehavior uh, through the year. One story suggests that they used kidnapping naughty children from their beds and never returned them to their parents. However, however, the Bell's Nickel would often give them a chance to redeem themselves if they deserved it. They were either mad, they were either made to dance do tricks, sing, or recite poems, depending on what the Bell's Nickel wanted to do, wanted to hear. The story of the Bell's Nickel is enough to, uh, is enough to put fear in children. No wonder, no wonder then that later disappeared into obscurity after the introduction, introduction of a Meyer Christmas character into the picture. Nowadays, the story of the Biles Nickel is uh, re-said or even despited in parts of Germany (coughs) to to rink some Christmas hat, to rake some Christmas havoc for good humor and to scare naughty children. The uh, the Bell's Nickel description. The Bell's Nickel is known as a thin, lanky person who dresses up in fur clothing, paints his face, wears a mask, and attaches bells to his costume, which is one, which is one hand, 
He is seen carrying a bag with gifts and treats for good children. In the other hand, he would have a switch or a whip for the bad children. His costumes are black and black in color and usually reflected his grim character. Children feared his masked figure, though he was viewed as a hero in the eyes of many children. He kind of has the bells. Now I kind of know where the bells for Santa's suit comes because Santa has bells on. Huh. This is, okay, this is a, uh, okay, this is a uh, Christmas time in the land of the bells nickel. There is a land of wilderness. There is a land of wilderness glades and cranky cliff and, and jaggedy cliffs of hidden coves and ancient forest, home of the bus, of the bells nickel. Among the dark forest, under the roots of a great oak tree, <coughs> there is a limestone cavern that is completely hidden from view. In the dark cavern, bells nickel makes the home, or that's where bells nickel makes his home. He is hairy and covered in animal pelps, with moss in his hair and leeches on his skin. Eh. He lives in the cave with his loyal servant, Rupert. Or, yeah, Rupert. Uh, Rupert is doned in the same manner as Belsnickel, only he is even dirtier. Blackened from the soot of many fires and smudged with grease of many meals, every year when it is when it gets to be about this time of year, when the leaves have been uh, shred, shedded, the winter winds start to howl and the forest creatures prepare for winter in their own way. The bells, Nickel and Rupert start plotting, plotting mischief and mayhem of of wrecking ha- wrecking havoc on the uh, intruders who live in their valley they they uh they do they sorry they regale in events of seasons past then of seasons past when they're scare, when they scare cattle carried away children and spread fear throughout the countryside <laughs> The Bill's Nickel has also been known to find wild onions to the, uh, or to feed wild onions to the dairy cows, so their milk will taste of onions and will be unfit for use by the uh, intruders. But most of all, the Bill's Nick and Rupert are awake Christmas Eve, when everyone is indoors, uh, uh, living in the moment of the season. This is when the Bill's Nickel becomes most active. Excuse me, most active for the being for being destruct disturbant. He loves the winter's uh, solace, but but cannot even ba- uh, bay at the moon without the intruders hunting him with their uh, furious hounds. The Bell's Nickels recons. That if he can't, the Bell's Nickel recons that if he cannot celebrate, neither will they. Late in the night, Rupert, 
or late in the night, he and Rupert go from house to house, prying open the windows and breaking down doors. Seeking vengeance, seeking vengeance, they will yank children from their slumber and beat them with switches. Rupert hopes to toss a few in his sack as well. As these thoughts, uh, as these thoughts, pure joy shows on the faces of Belznickel and Rupert. Pr- uh, primitive chuckles erupt from Rupert's uh, snaggled mouth. They are both annexed for the for night to fall and to begin their night of havoc. Love him or hate him, the Belznickel is a popular Christmas legend that who is featured and loved at the same time. The creatures were the characters was created to wreak havoc during the festival season, and there are many children who still believe in the fury of the Belznickel. In certain parts of Europe, the Christmas promise to be is the Christmas promise to be good because children beware you are you are in for a scare. So now this guy, you know, like he's kind of like a dude, looks like Santa. But the next ones I'm gonna do, of course, the next one's gonna be Krampus. But the Krampus and the next ones I do, they all kind of have the same kind of look. It's weird. I don't. I mean, and they're all from the same kind of uh, area. So, but we'll dive into it and see what happens. But before we do that, I'm gonna take a quick break, guys. Everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash, the most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about, and who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of borderline Texas trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around, and my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Gooseville, Louisiana, and he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline. Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy. Uncle Boo, Uncle Dicky, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, baby. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. 
but I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Okay. Are you ready for the next one? And of course, I've already given it away, but this one is about Krampus. And everybody's probably seen seen some kind of movie about the Krampus and all that. So, let's get into it. What is Krampus? In Germany and Austria. Now, I didn't say Australia. Austria. Austria is right around uh, Germany and it's in that area. In Germany and uh, Austria and other Al, uh, Al- God damn it. In other alpine culture cultures, Santa, old Saint Nicholas, has a scary sidekick, Krampus. The Christmas demon is responsible for punishing children who Saint Nick has put on his naughty list, and the punishments are worse than a lump of coal in your stocking. Here we're going to talk about the characteristics and the physical description of the Krampus. Like many demons, the Krampus borrows several features features from goats. He has long horns that curl back on his head. His feet end in hooves instead of feet. His body is covered in shaggy fur, which can be white, black, or reddish brown. He even has a long pointed tongue like a goat. Unlike a goat, Krampus also has claws and fangs. He walks on two legs, dressed in chains and bells that he shakes at people on the street. He also carries a bunch of branch rods or horse horse chair whip and a large sack large sack or basket. The birch rods and the whip and whip are used to beat naughty children, but the sack is reserved for the truly wicked. Crumpus uses it to haul young naughty kids to their underworld. And here's the personality of the Crumpus. The Crumpus is a is a mystery, yes. But he's evil. Not necessarily. Krampus follows the rules of justice. He only comes after children who misbehave. And while he does seem to enjoy punishing wicked children, he is never seen attacking innocent children. In some ways, Krampus can be seen as a abdominant slave he wears chains which symbolizes his enslavement and in many stories he only appears when appears and where saint nicholas tells him to be and this uh, next part is uh related characters crumpers has crumpers crumpus has close ties to the kindly saint nicholas in fact, many Christmas stories have Krampus and St. Nicholas making their rounds and judging children together. 
if the children has been if the child has been good, he will get treats from Saint Nicholas. But if he has but if he has been bad, he'll get the switch from Krampus. Similar character characters exist in nearby countries. The Nixt Rupert I hope I'm saying that right. The Nixt Rupert is a large bearded man <laughs> with bells swing to his or sewn to his clothes and a bag of ashes and coals slung all over his shoulder. He accompanies Saint Nicholas and on his journey around the world disturbing uh, describing fruit and gingerbread to, or distributing fruit and gingerbreads to the good children and giving lumps of coal to the bad ones. And, of course, we just covered the Bell's Nick. That's another uh, legend over there. Okay, now here's the history of the Krampus. It's not hard to guess the, the Krampus is one of the many pagan symbols who have snuck into Christmas festivals. But the details of his back history are unclear. Some people believe that the Krampus represents the horned god, the horn god, a popular figure, figure in witchcraft, and that his birch rods are a throwback to ancient pagan indentation rituals. Rituals. Others claim Krampus is one of, is the son of the Norse god Hel, or Hell. When Chris, uh, when Christians replaced pagan winter festivals with Christmas, Krampus underwent a transformation. He was associated with the devil and was placed in the subservient position to Saint Nick to Saint Nicholas. Even forced to wear chains to show his inferiority. But changing Crumpus up still wasn't enough. In the nineteen twenties, the Catholic Church and some politic political parties in Germany and Austria put a put an outright ban on Krampus celebrating that Christmas demon was not only popular but it was illegal but Krampus lived in Germany and Austria and and in Austria tradition and by the 1960s he was allowed to come back into the light now he was embraced as a catch uh, he was embraced as a folklore figure, and a public, in the public latched on to Krampus as as a way to reconnect with their innocence. Oh, with their ancestors. I'm sorry. Eventually, the mounting frustration with the commercialization of Christmas created a gateway for Krampus to invade other cultures. In the United States, people who wanted to protest, who wanted to protest holiday spending, and mandatory good chore, good mandatory good cheer, embraced characters like Scrooge the Grinch, Crumpus, who was rebuilt against Christmas norms. Today, the Crumpus fest, the Crumpus festivals are held all over the world. On the evening of December 6th, also known as the 
crumps crumpin snatched the crumpin snatched crumpin snatched i hope i'm saying that right my fans and my friends in uh, germany y'all help me out let me know if i'm saying that right crumpin snatched the uh, legend has it that this is the night crumpus goes after bad children Accordingly, young men dress in fur suits and horn masks and flock to the streets, snarling and sh- uh, shaking their chains at anyone who stops to watch the scary parade. Crumpus <coughs> has also carved out a small piece in horror, in horror too, even uh, inspiring a horror film called Crumpus. So, if you haven't seen that movie, it's fucking amazing. My kids are in there watching it right now. It's a good Christmas show to watch. All right, that was the Columbus. Now, there was some stories and some other uh, characters in there that were kind of like him that I'm going to be talking about too. Like I said, there's a couple of these I'm covering. They're totally different names and they come from different areas, but their descriptions kind of close. Okay, well, before we do that, I need to get a drink and we will take a little blicky. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered... Why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, Unsolved Urban murders, late, unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you are uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform mm-hmm. we have a youtube channel twos or channel so go check that out it's called what's really out there so come check us out once again i'm your co-host stephen booth and i'm your host stephanie booth and this is what's, what's really, really out there. there we'll see you at the next episode guys well welcome back got me a drink and i am ready to go all right, this one's kind of short. Couldn't find a whole whole lot on it, but this is the story of the niched rump rich. So I hope I'm saying that night, that night, <laughs> that right. The niched rump rich, rump rich. The story of the niched rump rich. Stretches back to the late Middle Ages. The legend is part of a 
The legend is part of a of a centuries-old Christmas tradition in Germany, where Christmas celebrations start early in December. The niche, the Knecht uh, Rupp. Anyways, I'm just gonna say, the Knecht is the is the dark companion of Saint Nicholas, who rewards good kid, good children each year with gifts and candy in Dece- on December sixth. St. Nicholas Day. The hell-bound counterpart is known by many names across the continent, such as the Nicht Rup, uh, the Nicht Rupricht, the Black Peter. <laughs> I'm not lying. It says Black Peter. I mean, it's it's talking about the guy's name, but it's just... <laughs> Imagine, I hope the Black Peter don't get me. Anyways, the uh, Black Peter, the Schmitzendels are also Krumpus. Is usually seen as a hell demon, half goat looking figure bearing devilish horns and a monstrous tongue. But he can also be spotted as a sinister man with a black beard bearing a black furry robe. A chain and bells along with a bundle of brunch sticks to punish the naughty children. According to the German to the according to German tradition, he appears in in homes on Saint Nicholas Day to ask parents about their children's behavior. Depending on the uh, response, he would give switches for us on for us on the bad children before dragging them into the woods. Hmm. So they get their ass kicked and they still get dragged in the woods. Krumpus, whose name is diverted from the German word Krumpen, meaning claw, is celebrated on Krumpsnecht, which, which takes place the night before the St. Nicholas Day. In South Germany, Austria, Austria, Northern Italy, and other parts of Europe, partygoers dress up as the frightening-looking Krumpus character bearing torches and stride the streets, terrifying children and adults alike. Krumpen Snatch is snatched. Krumpen, Krump, anyways, Krumpen Snatched. Hope I'm saying that right. People in Germany, help me out. This is y'all's big festival, I guess y'all do. The Krumpensnacht is increasingly being celebrated in other parts of Europe, such as Finland, France, and as well as many American cities. So, this guy's kind of like the uh, like Krumpus. So that that's what I mean. A lot of these were kind of, a couple of these were like really close, but different names. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. All right, well, our next story, yeah, that was a little quickie. All right, all right, our next story is the Perchton. According to old public opinion, plenty of ghosts and demons are going around during the long and cold nights in midwinter. In Shellsburg, during this time of the year, deep rooted belief in the Perchton was overall uh, widespread. The origins of this belief are probably 
or probably in various or probably in German uh, in the German traditions. Excuse me. Based on the female definite defiancy in the year of our ancestors, Frau Porchetta was a demonic character, half goat, half man. Excuse me. Who appears at the end of the end of the who appears at the end of the old year, beginning of the new year, accompanied by very by many evil figures. She watched over the people and protected them against bad demons and also meet these and meets out the punishment. In the 16th century, her name was also given to the evil creatures accompanying her and young athletic men wrapped in grim. Forceful and awful masks moved out from house to house to banish the banned demons and ghosts. During the 17th and 18th century, the Catholic Church, tri- Church tried to ban the Helthenius Perchant costume. But with little success, in the 19th century, the Perchant... I hate it when they do... Okay, the Perchant became, pop, became popular again during these centuries. Perchetta took place all over the mountain da- mountain dales of uh, Sa- of Salzburg but all through the costumes are no way nowadays popular again the original costumes only served in St. John and Cast- Castatine and Altatine market now we're going to talk about the mask of this urban legend. The wooden mask. The wooden masks are made up of wooden of wood and most and mostly have animal characteristics. They all have enormous fangs, tusks, and various various pairs of horns to spike several demon souls. In some mountain dials, like Gastine, they also have no ears, so they needed to hear the painful screams of their victims. The horse tail is also a symbol of the perchton. They are used for punishment. The big bells they wear on their back on their back are very noisy, and announce them from uh, di- announce them from a distance. In other words, you can hear them from a distance. From afar. I can hear them from afar. All right. Where was I? Okay. Here's various ver- various forms of the Perchton. There are n- numerous Perchton costumes in Salzburg and other predo- predominantly mountain regions in Austria. And one of the most known are the Polesians of the Well, I didn't get that. Okay. Who are described above who are described above 
but there are also various costumes. While the Shaken the Shaken Perchton have the Shaken Perchton have to ban demons and ghosts. The Shaken Perchton are responsible for banning mischief and bringing luck and wealth to the people. The best known of them are the Trest Terrier. They are also wearing big masks based on the healthiness symbols and animal antlers and according to our ancestors believe that they bring light in the dark seasons in the dark season and a promising long crop uh future and blessings to the future blessings and uh to the future blessings to the and gives future blessings to the people well that was that guy see that 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 one right there now see that one that one was the same as the Crumpus and the niche perchit perch whatever the fuck it is I'm sorry guys some of these uh European words make me stutter and fucking Stanley and I'm very sorry for that okay let me get a drink and get with our next one. I will say this. If you're ever going to do a lot of talking or do a podcast or something, don't drink Sprite. Because I brought a Sprite in here with me. And, man, every time I guzzle it, I got a burp. I guess I should have watched them TikTok videos. Huh? All right, I'm back. Now, this one's called the Kryla. Now, it's short and dumpy, and it looks just, it, it's a, uh, a troll, basically. A fucking troll, a fat troll. Kryla is... Kryla's origins who lives in the mount oh Kryla who lives in the ma- in the mountains of Iceland like Krumpus and Mary Lloyd she is she is a Christmas monster and only appears around Christmas time the stories about her in Iceland vary some vary some say she is just a kind of boogeyman who enjoys scaring people. Other stories present her in a much darker form, saying she is saying she she murders children and eats from eat oh God and eats them. In Iceland, she is she is as famous as the mother of the Yale lads and has the Yale cat as a pet. Now, here's the, here's the folklore of this uh, legend. The Krala is very similar to Krampus in many ways. While Santa brings good children presents, the Krala has, un- unsatisfying, has an unsatisfying hunger for naughty children, and she also is grumpy. Like Krumpus, she kidnaps them in a sack. She then brings them home to cook them alive and turn them into a stew. Hmm, kid stew. Like Santa, Gryla has has helpers. Her 13 sons, known as the Yalads, they are usually much less cruel than their mother than their mother and simply play pranks on people during the christmas season 
where was I? And it depends on the version. Some tales have the Yale lads as a homicidal child eating monsters, especially the older stories. <clears throat> so I guess it just depends on which uh, generation you hear it from. The Grala also has a giant cat named the Yow Cat. Whether or not you you were naughty or nice, or if you're if you, or if you're an adult or a child, you are at risk of being eaten by the Yow Cat. The only people that would that would not eat are <clears throat> the only people he would not eat are those he those who have gotten new clothes for Christmas. That's fucking weird. The only people he wouldn't eat are those who have gotten new clothes. Well, that fucking sucks. What if you couldn't afford clothes? What if your parents couldn't afford to get you goddamn clothes? Is it going to eat you because you're poor? That's shitty. Well, if you didn't get new clothes, I'm going to fucking eat you. What a dick. Wow. That's messed up, man. Uh, okay, we've got one more, one more prayer, or one more cup, or cup more uh, stuff to tell you. Oh God, Grala is married to her third husband named Lepaliolo, who lives in the Damanburgo lava fields in a cave. This historical historical area is rifled with supernatural mischief, according to folklore. Due to the unique natural castle formations in traditional tales of being the place Satan himself landed when he fell from the heavens. So, get this straight now. She's uh, short and dumpy. She looks like a troll. She's got kids. Well, they come to help her kick your ass or eat you in a stew. And her sons are uh, are uh, like just helpers in some stories, and in some stories, they're just homicidal maniacs. And this woman has a motherfucking husband too. What the hell? That's her third husband. Jeez. Anyways, but they don't say anything that he does or anything, so I don't know. Uh, All right, well, and I will warn you, I am going to do some stories on the Yule Lads and the Yule Cat. So, next week's going to be pretty good, pretty good. All right, we have, I think, one more story coming up, my friends, to the show that never ends. Okay, here's our next story. Okay, our next story, sorry if I have this word up too. Le Puri Fondart. Le Puri Fondart. So I hope I'm saying that right. Here we go. Santa Claus has become the dominant international figure of the holiday season. But he does have a variety of sidekicks depending on where you are in the world. One of the craziest 
without a doubt, is in the northern eastern France's Le Puri Fontart. And I guess that means Father Whipper, a sort of uh, anti-Santa. So he's the Father Whipper. I hope he whips children and not fathers, because that would be weird. Across Europe, traditions have been menstruous being a company. St. Nicholas on his St. Nicholas on his rounds, either as mismatched good cop, bad cop type pairings. Uh I hate it when they do that. They abbreviate the, okay. Or as a standalone or as standalone villains. Like mobsters doing their boss's dirty work, Krampus and Le Pierre Fontart set out into the gold into the cold December night to deal with the children who have been naughty. They're more likely to deck the halls with howls of Bali than bowels of or anyways than bowels of holly. Children are given a choice. Presents are uh, are a sound beating with a bag of ashes. That's fuck. That's weird. Spank a kid with a bag of ashes. Sounds like that's gonna make a mess. If you have been naughty, check. Uh, if you have been naughty, checky or not, said your prayers. It's possible that it is all you got to look forward to. The Le Pierre Fodtart basically terrifies you into being good. On the night of December 5th, oh shit, that's when I'm recording all of it. Well, it's the 6th, but a lot of that stuff they do is on the 5th and the 6th. I did not plan it this way. I just researched, man. On the night of December 5th, St. Nicholas leaves, cho- leaves chocolates and sweets in his shoes for the children who have said their prayers. And have been good to their parents and done their uh, chores and homework all year round. While Crumpus and Black Pe- and Black Peter <laughs> have featured in recent movies, the story of Le Père Fatart is a whole other level of crazy, and vi- and uh, a whole nev- another level of crazy and uh, violence. It is uh, pro- probable that. The only seasonal tale that centuries and on cannibalism. Oh, it centers on cannibalism and zombie children. Pretty lovely. So how does this lovely man fit into the St. Nicholas tradition? There are two origin stories that have been popularized. One is entirely a popular... Anyways, one is entirely maybe true or not, and the other one has its roots in the 16th century medieval siege in the eastern city of Metz. The first which started to be told around 1150 involves an evil butcher who kidnapped three lost children, murdered them by setting their by slitting their throats, covered the covered the meat up and put it in a uh, salting tube. Okay, so he's a weirdy. 
Saint Nicholas, uh, Saint Nicholas turned up turned up at the door and asked the butcher, asked the butcher at. Okay, Saint Nicholas turned up at the door and the butcher attempted to interrogate and attempted to ask himself to his uh, saintly visitor by offering him his best meat. Instead, Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas researched it. Anyways, okay, here we go. Saint Nicholas researched the boys from the dead and then sent them back to their parents. Oh, so the kids didn't die. He brought them back to life. Seeing an opportunity for the butcher to repeat his sins, the butcher became Father, Father Whipper. A sort of internal servant who basically acts as the bad cop to Saint Nicholas Saint Nick's good cop. The second story relates to the the second story relates to the fifth around fifteen fifty two or fifteen fifty three. The siege of Metz. Part of the war between France and Henry the Second and the Holy Roman Empire. During the festival period, locals decided to burn the efficacy of the Holy Roman Empire, Charles V, and dragged it through the streets. A group of tanners treated the Father of Whipper character. Oh, wait a minute. A group of tanners created the Father Whipper character and based his physical appearance on the brute. Uh, on the brute look of a very early version of the guy who later started putting on bonfires. So why they named Father Whip? La Pirifortart is often described as a dish-valid looking brute in black robes, either black or red, either black or a red beard, who carries a Mart. A martinet ready to duel out beatings to the naughty children. <laughs> he looks like something from a horror movie and is very much the stuff of nightmares. This is a culture, social, religious through line, all those folk, tra- folk traditions. Told the line, say your prayers, be good to your parents, and you'll be rewarded. If not... Watch out. That is kind of creepy. How, uh, you know, I grew up with uh, my parents telling me, if you ain't good, Santa ain't bringing you shit. But in their tradition, they tell their kids, well, if you're not good, he's going to take you in the woods and eat you. Or he's going to beat you. Or he's going to kill you. That's crazy to tell your kids that. But hey. Well, that last story was pretty good, but that's kind of crazy how. He killed them kids, and Santa was uh, asking him about it, and he uh, lied, basically, and Santa brought him back to life and gave him a fucking job. Hmm, ain't that weird? Well, guys, like I said, sorry if I was stumbling and fumbling through this on a lot. I shouldn't be that bad next week. I don't have a whole lot of uh, frustrating names next week, so it ought to be a pretty good show. Looking ahead to see what I got. 
Ought to be pretty good. See, like I said, next week I'll cover the Yule Lads, the Yule Cat, the Clown Puppet, and uh, the Headless Horseman of Rose Hall in England. And I'll be doing maybe the Tale of the Mistletoe Bride. Yeah, it ought to be pretty good. But I really, really do want to say thank you guys for listening and being faithful subscribers and stuff. And I don't care if you like the show or not. Just give me a review, whether it's good or bad. I'm a man. I can take it. It's just words. It's not going to hurt me. I'm not going to get offended. I'm a man. So just do that for me. And, uh, yeah, guys, keep doing a good job telling your friends about me. Keep listening. And I'm glad you're listening. And sorry sometimes if I sound like Forrest Gump. But, hey. That's my dyslexia kicking in sometimes, and it's a bitch. But, anyways, don't want to bore you too much, because I probably do that already. <laughs> but I hope you guys have a good good rest of the week, and uh, be good, and the weather ought to be good for some scary stories by the fire this weekend, guys. But go check me out on Facebook, and I'm serious, guys. Come on, join the party on Facebook book with me and uh and sorry if i do that because my i got a bad habit i talk too fast sometimes when i get excited or doing this because i do i'm like a kid i'm like <sighs> i get too excited and talk too fast and i get all fumbly bumbly i gotta remember to turn it down be cool mm, i just hit the mic waving my hands going be cool but anyways guys i appreciate you listening glad you like the show if y'all have anything anything you want me to talk about or a ghost story that happened to you please please go to ghost go to ghost stories from the south and uh like uh i'll be your friend and we'll talk through the uh old dms there and you can send me the the send me your story so i hope you guys will be good be great this has been steven Labooth. For ghost stories told from the south. I will see you later, my skelly skelly friends. <laughs> this has been a Booth Podcasting production. Bye.